Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 251 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to talk Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, how can we not? Victor, how the hell are you today? Do we have to? This is the question right here. This is the part that upsets me about this whole fucking mess. I'm fine. I was until I heard that tidbit, I suppose. But I mean, hey, I gotta, I gotta keep my 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 anger uh, going, right? It's the only thing, the the only pure engine that keeps me running. So, uh, yeah, that's that's fine, I suppose. Um, I'm good. I'm having a nice little staycation with my favorite guy in the whole world, my son, and uh, it's been nothing but a love fest out here. So, uh, amongst other maladies, you know, this is this is cool. I'm 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 okay for now. All right. So since we last spoke, this whole gossip mill of Zuckerberg and Musk, it all just blew up right after we we recorded. And it all came down because Musk issued a challenge. And the first thing that Mark Zuckerberg did was say, send location. He wasted no time. And I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but they made a very astute assumption. They said, anytime a little ass nerd accepts a challenge that fast from a bigger guy, you know there's something in the water. You know that they're about to wreck shop. And I think that is absolutely true. You've got 51-year-old chubby larval state Elon Musk taking on 39-year-old Wyre Mark Zuckerberg, who actually rolls and trains. Now, I don't know the extent of his actual knowledge, but the fact that he's been out there doing this for the past year that we know of is, is you know, more impressive than Elon Musk saying, you know, once upon a time when I was a child... I trained Kyokushin Karate, I dabbled in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I did some Judo. When? How far back? How long ago are we talking, Elon? And then you have Elon's mother stepping in and saying, no, 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 don't do this. You know, she's interacting on Twitter nonstop, and she's funny too she said put them in chairs four feet apart and have them tell jokes best joke wins i mean she is out there she's she's claiming the spotlight and i think it's kind of funny and then his father has chimed in as well saying the thing is if this crazy fight goes ahead if elon beats this guy elon will be called a bully being so much heavier and taller while if he loses the humiliation would be total. 
It's a no-win situation for Elon. I think Elon has gotten himself into a situation, a difficult situation as a result of high school behavior. And holy shit, did he say a mouthful? Because why does Elon own Twitter? Because he let his ego get him into a situation that he couldn't get out of. He was about to get sued if he didn't finish the the, the buyout, the purchase. Now, the, the biggest part of this whole story is that Dana White, in the most grimy fashion ever, jumps on this thing like a fly on fresh shit. Has the shirt made up, Zuckerberg versus Musk, says that he is absolutely serious about wanting to promote this. Told TMZ he would charge a hundred bucks per for the pay-per-view, and that he thinks it could sell 20 million pay-per-views, that it would be the biggest fight in the history of ah. fighting. And further, when they asked him, Well, well, what could you pay them? You know, they're billionaires. Well, I don't think they need any money. They want to donate everything to charity. They want to donate their purses to charity. Well, hey, uh -huh. hey there. Why do they need you to promote? They are billionaires. Why do they need you? They don't need you. But Dana sees an opportunity. The UFC sees an opportunity to make easy money off a billionaire bum fight. And that is so repulsive to me. It's gross. Promote the fighters you have. He's talking about this fight being the biggest fight that could be made. No, the biggest fight that could be made is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. And you drop the fucking ball. Victor. Okay. So I want to address some of the points that you raised here. Primarily, number one, May Musk stating that they should sit and have uh, tell jokes, best joke wins. My God, how fucking horrendous would those jokes be? Have you seen the jokes that Elon posts? Have you seen how he steals memes and they're not even that fucking funny? What do you think Mark Zuckerberg's got? And oh, you, can you imagine like they get up there and they don't read the room because they never do. And they don't realize that they shouldn't be saying stuff like, so a uh, priest, a rabbi and a black guy walk into a bar. Like, oh, no. You don't want that, okay? Just no. These people are not socially adept. You don't want these people telling jokes. Number two, I want to read this particular tweet. This is beautiful. This is this is in, in response to one of his his little fucking miscreant simps, who's uh, one of those um, one of those like stone bust Twitter accounts, the most racist and horrible ones. Elon Musk replied, and when being asked, you know, about his training experience, true. Although very dated now, I trained in judo, kyokushin parentheses, full contact, and no rules street fighting. Steffi, how do you train in no rules street fighting? <laughs> do you go to Tank Abbott's garage? How do you do this? Explain this. Did they teach him this at the, at the, at the, the, the Emerald Mines in Africa? Where the fuck did he learn no rules street fighting? I don't, I, just, <laughs> like, this is, this is where, like, you were doing great. But then you, you just you had to just put the big, giant, glowing neon sign, the arrow pointing down saying, utter bullshit, right at your thing. So there's that. Now, look, as to the fight itself, I, I, I have to share in the sentiment. And, I, you know, how fucking grotesque is it for you to say, yeah, we can charge $100 for the pay-per-view. Where's the money going? Oh, well, actually. So, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're going to give the charity. 
you're not in the business of charity. You are in the business of business. And you want to stage this? He's got the shirt made out. So what, what does that mean? I mean, this, there's no guarantee that any of this is going to happen because we've only seen one of these guys actually engage in any sort of physical activity whatsoever. And that's Mark Zuckerberg. As 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 terrible a person as I think he is, as as much as much hatred as I have for him and people like him, I at least respect the fact that he's getting on the mat. He's not training with the general public. Fine. He's training with certain specific partners and he's got his one on ones and his private fine, but he's doing the work. He's actually fucking there. Meanwhile, you got another guy out here who, I mean, when does this guy sleep? He's not working. He's clearly not running these companies. He's not doing anything that's, that's you know, truly in-depth or hands-on, and, and he's not lifting weights. He's not running. He doesn't do shit. And this guy's, you're going to tell me this guy's going to fight? It's not going to happen. But to see all these people jump on it, the odds makers right away, those guys, they don't miss Bringing in never late on that in that that department. Then it's like you cap it all off with this motherfucker going out here and saying, yeah, we're going to make that fight. You know, and I want to give a shout out to Evan Zivin, our bloody elbows own, because he posted something crucial to me. Why is Dana White focused more on fights that he cannot possibly fucking make? What does this mean? Can you imagine you're struggling to get a crumb of attention? You're Ilya Topuria, who, according to what I've been reading lately, uh, UFC did amazing uh, in terms of viewership this weekend uh, because of the fact that you had a Spanish fighter in a main event and fucking shining. What an amazing performance from this kid. Only 26 years old. This kid could be the future right here. What was he, ranked number nine? He fought number five and he fucking won? And and and, and uh, where's the chatter from that? Am I hearing anything about that guy? No, I'm hearing about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg because it draws attention, it drives clicks, and what does that actually do for your product? Is it paying the bills for your fighters? Is it putting anything in your coffers other than that? No, but you want a taste of that too. You know how desperate that looks? You know how fucking infantile that feels? And then on top of that, to say that you would charge a premium to gatekeep it? That's just so I No, and I'm glad you pointed out what you did. They don't need him, and they it, it's not like it's going to happen anyway, but it shouldn't even happen. It really shouldn't. You, you said, what kind of street fighting experience does Elon Musk have? I'll mm -hmm. tell you. He has the street fighting experience of brutally harassing a young boy when he was in school because the boy's father had committed suicide. So that boy pushed oh, him. Oh, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. So that. I imagine is what he's uh, referencing with his street fighting experience. I guess somebody suggested to him maybe this should just be a jujitsu match, straight up jujitsu, no, no, no punching, no kicking. And he said, "No, I prefer a cage match." <laughs> Again, but I ask of you, what does this mean? You know, like you know how many people I meet. They find out that I work for an MMA publication and do a podcast, and they immediately, oh, yeah, I got a cousin. I got a friend. He does cage fights. Okay, what do you mean by that? Does he do boxing in a cage? Does he do kickboxing in a cage? Does he do MMA? They never know. You know what I mean? They don't really have a read on what exactly that is. They just know there's a cage, and they go in there, and they fight. And like, what, what are we doing? What does this mean? It's like he's got the same lack of literacy regarding any of that shit than these randos on the street because that's what he is. He doesn't know what this shit is. Again, Mark has at least been at an event. He's at least like, like done some bit of homework. I want a cage fight. Man, fuck you. We, what, what movies are you watching, bro? Come on. <laughs>
You know what we're going to do right now? We are going to talk some more headlines because I'm going to switch things up a little bit today. The part that I'm going to save for our bonus content is our review of last week's card because there's some stuff in there that I, I wanted to talk about. Our second headline is what happened at the PFL this past week with Roush Manfio and, and Natan Schulte. You know, the PFL, they, they book these guys in their tournament and they're best friends and they're training partners. They're, they're like brothers. And so it was stupid that, that they booked this fight to begin with, you know, there's a prize, there's a million dollar prize. So of course they're both going to want to be in the tournament, but to pair them off against each other was kind of a dumb move. So of course they're not going to want to actually hurt each other. You know what I mean? We got a pretty tepid fight. What did PFL do? They suspended them. They claimed that they did not live up to their contracts Presumably because they didn't try to, you know, take each other's heads off in a fight that the PFL booked. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? And then they move Shane Burgos back into the tournament. Mm -hmm. What in the fuck is going on over there at PFL, Victor? Well, yeah, I don't know exactly what is going on, but I'll tell you what, what they better hope doesn't happen. And uh, it's got to do with contractual matters. If they have any verbiage in their contract that denotes anything like, you know, a lack of aggression or rather, um, you know, sort of anything that would give or lend an appearance to um, not fighting in a manner that would be, uh, competitive due to some sort of factors outside of fighting, right? As 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 something that could be construed as maybe uh, some sort of a, a gentleman's agreement or some form of collusion. If if they're doing, if they have anything like that, they could perhaps stretch it to have this fit that definition. And I don't even blame these two guys for not wanting to go hard. Look, both of them want the million. Both of them are in the tournament. They're in the same weight class. It's probably likely that they were going to fight each other but they've both been in these tournaments for a while they've been here before they never had to fight each other and they didn't have to fight each other now had this been in the finals okay i get it right but not for no fucking quarterfinal not for no like, elimination spot and then they end up dropping both i mean i guess i guess it works in in terms of ethically you know, fine, you shouldn't have booked it, but dropping both of them probably would be the smart move on paper. It makes it look like, look, we don't know if these, if there was some sort of fix, but we're leaving both of them. But then the reasoning that they give kind of undoes that, right? It's like, oh, you guys weren't fighting hard enough. You guys didn't want it enough. And that's probably not the proper way to frame it if you really want to save face for fucking up the way you did. Now, bringing Shane Burgos in, that is a bit of a weird one, but he is a bigger name. He did win his uh, his second fight. He lost his first one, so he only has three points in the tournament. Um, yes, <laughs> I guess that's what's going to happen. I guess that's what's going to work. They bring in a guy who's exciting, and he at least has a win under his belt. Um, that is something of an option, I suppose. And, you know, man, PFL, for all of their mishaps, they've done pretty well patching up some of the um, eventual sort of did but through trial and error they've passed up a lot of the the mishaps that could happen in a tournament format like this one but man did they shit the bet on this let's talk about conor mcgregor for a moment here 
Conor McGregor is an interesting person to me right now. He's leading tough, but the 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 numbers are not doing very well. Now there is a little bit of extraneous factors happening with Tough. Remember, when he led Tough, it was when Tough was appearing on Fox, I believe, or FS1 or something along those lines. And it was at the height of his fame. Okay, the very height of his fame. So he was doing 900,000, 970,000 viewership numbers per show. Now we have Tough is airing on ESPN or ESPN Plus. It's on an app now. So the live numbers are going to suffer. I don't know what the the re-air or whatever. I, I have no idea how that works. But the point is, is that the platform is different. But it shouldn't be the the numbers shouldn't be where they are and they're they're pretty low they're in the 200,000s and they have steadily dropped every week beyond that connor's team is losing like crazy i think they're like 0 and 5 right now it's i think they're 0 and 4 yeah 0 and 4 or 0 and 5 um i i would ha- i'm almost positive it's 0 and 5 now Oh, well, even better. There you go. <laughs> but the thing is... I mean, is, that, is that good? I can't tell. Fuck. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, the way they have it set up, if I'm to understand correctly, Chandler has the veterans and McGregor has the noobs. Uh, you know, yep. all the rising prospects. And so all these veterans are beating the shit out of all the newbies. So that there's another extraneous factor to consider. But the point is, is that we don't know if the fight's going to happen. Chandler keeps telling everybody, be patient, be patient, because I think he's trying to, <laughs> you know, console himself, soothe himself by lying to himself that this fight still has a chance of happening. I honestly don't see it happening. I don't think I see Conor McGregor coming back to the sport. He seems very, very unserious right now. He also seems zooted to the gills every time I see him. So I guess my question to you is twofold. Do you think Conor comes back to fight Chandler and do you think he can save tough? Do you think he could turn this season around at all? And obviously, I, I, I should preface this. We know tough is pre-recorded. We do. But do you think that there's anything that we might get to see here that would turn that around? That's the better way to pose the question. I, I'm going to address that second part first. And, I, you know, what is there to really turn around? You know what I mean? Like, what are we really doing here? And and I don't know that here's, here's what could happen, right? It is not impossible for you to have a guy that is on Connor's team, wins a fight, and then he ends up like winning the whole thing. Yeah. But that's like the one sole guy on his team to win it. And he'll still have bragging rights as a result. Like that is a possibility, right? So let's, let's not get too carried away here. There's only so much you can do with these guys. You're with them for a short period of time in the house. And in the uh, gym, and you know, there these guys that come in with their own habits and their own uh, tendencies and their own mode of training and fighting. You can only train so much of that out of these guys and sort of fit a certain mold. And maybe your particular way of training them may not be the best way for them. Also, you got to factor in something Zane mentioned a long time ago that really, really upended my entire concept of the show. Just because you're the best guy in that show, just because you win, does not mean you're the best fighter. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you might get all the wins, but you're probably better suited for the quick turnarounds and the quick weight cuts and doing everything in that particular environment. But how many guys have we seen flame out? Where's Eddie Truck Gordon? Where's Colton Smith? Like, sometimes it just happens that way, you know? And that's that's fine, I suppose. But, like, even if Connor gets one of these two guys on the board, like, what does this really mean long-term? He didn't make these guys, you know? And I, why was there an insistence on him having – the, uh, the the younger guys and, and, and Chandler having the veterans, I don't know. Did it make things more interesting? Not really. Do I care about how the outcome of this works out? Nope, not at all. I thought I was going to watch the fights with Brian watched now one motherfucking minute of this whole show. This whole season, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to skip it again because guess what? I, I don't feel like it's going to be as informative at all as it would have perhaps been in the past. And even then, it was kind of marginal. So what is there really for him to fix? What is there really to do? I'm not really sure. And I don't know what that means. Like success or failure, it's not going to really weigh on him as much. Now as to the first point, will this fight actually happen? If it does, it ain't happening now. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, you, you said something real interesting right now. You don't think he's coming back ever. Right. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, he, maybe he might, um, I'm not totally optimistic about it, but I do kind of see a possibility. Yet, when it comes to whether this is going to happen here with Chandler, definitely not happen at the end of this season. Now, with the state of the whole USADA thing, you know, whether he gets an exception is another question. Like, why is everyone dragging their feet then? You know, it seems a little weird to me that this whole thing is just is not. I, I, it, there's always something unusual happening around Connor. There's always this thing where he's manifested shit. He's been able to have the universe bend around him. And that happens when you have a certain level of success and a certain level of notoriety. He is a notorious one after all. See what I did there? Good mm-hmm. shit, baby. Uh, but, but even still, like now, that's kind of worn off some. And now it's, you don't, he doesn't really get that unless it's in cahoots with the UFC, unless it's from their perspective and with their guidance and help, right? Because they need this guy. Or at least they feel they do. They, he's not... He's not essential. If he leaves, fine. But as long as he's there, they want to accommodate him at every turn. And so maybe they might do so down the line. I don't think that's happening right now. And I don't even think it should. Like, what weight class would this dude compete at? Can he make 170? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about 155. Can he make 170 right now? I think he could. I, I do think he can make 170. I don't think he sees 155, though. I don't think he looks good at 170 neither, though. I mean, that power looked real good at 145. It ain't transferring the same at 155. How's that going to look at 170? There's dudes that hit comparably hard mm-hmm. at that point. One of those guys, Michael Chandler, right? He's eating bombs. So if he fights Chandler at 170, I was thinking about that this morning. Like, imagine if they did that, like they did the Cerrone fight. What's that going to – who does this help? Other than just the bottom line for the UFC and maybe a good payday for Chandler – I don't really see how this benefits anybody in any capacity. I don't think we need to see this fight, really. But, you know, Chandler's keeping it alive. Maybe he's a true believer. Maybe he really thinks. And he might have been gotten certain uh, promises that this is going to be a reality. I, You know, I, I, I hope it's not just lip service. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who will just tow the company line just to do so. But, uh, boy, howdy. I, I, I think we're all seeing something that he ain't. And... That's really unfortunate. It really, really is. All right. So 
Time to look at this absolutely dismal UFC card that we have. Oh my god. UFC Vegas 76 is fucking awful. There is no two ways around this. Now we do have a single ranked fight. And that is uh, the one between uh, Demir Azmigilov and Grant Dawson. Because Grant Dawson is ranked number 15 and Demir Azmigilov is ranked number 12. But our main event, our main event only features one ranked fighter. And that is Sean Strickland. Now there oh. is any single other ranked fighter and that is alexander romanov he is um way 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 down on the prelims second fight uh-huh. and he is ranked number 14 so in total we no, have, no no who's he fighting who's he fighting he is fighting a guy named blagoy Ivanov. you know who blagoy is right Been that's stabbed right Former in the heart of fighting champ Stabbed That's in the right. heart, bricked in the head. This man has been through it. I wasn't in the heart, was it? It was in the like the in the in the midsection, though, wasn't it? No, he got stabbed dead in his heart. Had open heart oh, surgery. Fuck. Yep. Oh wow! Damn, I forgot. See, that's crazy. Even OGs like me start losing the thread, man. We losing recipes. <laughs> so I'm looking at the card, you know, and we have four ranked fighters on this twelve fight card. 24 fighters and only four of them have a ranking. Our main event is looking at Sean Strickland ranked at number seven, fighting a dude that is outside the top 15, outside the top 20. That is absurd. I have long maintained I don't need the whole card to be ranked fighters. I don't. I understand the need to be able to promote the guys that aren't ranked, but that's what the prelims are for. When you get into the main card, you need to give me a little something more, and I'm not greedy. On a fight night card, if you could just give me three ranked fights, or two ranked fights, and say eight ranked fighters... That would only encompass four fights. And I don't care if the ranked fighters are spread out. It doesn't matter to me. But I need at least two ranked fights and eight ranked fighters or three ranked fights. And I don't care how you rank, uh, how, how the rest of it goes. That's not being greedy. And that is not asking too much of the UFC. And somebody oh, actually replied to me. in I can't remember if it was on a post on the WordPress on bloodyelbow.com or if it was actually on Twitter. But they did the breakdown. And the way that the, the roster is right now and the way that their schedule is right now, they can realistically put on four ranked fights on every single card. And this is the bullshit that we get. You know what? I'm I'm just having this amazing visual in my mind where like Mick Maynard's visiting a relative at a hospital late at night and suddenly he hears the Kill Bill whistling. <laughs> he pops his head out the room and here comes Steffi with her old nurse outfit <laughs> and fucking eye patch, red ass lipstick, tribute to Daryl Hannah, rolling pin in her hand, ready to fuck him up. <laughs> like I could totally see this happening. You know what? It needs to happen to Mick Maynard. You will crumble like Rock Nation. How dare you? How dare you have this 
Just no, nah, man. Listen, I, look, we 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 talked a little bit about like last week's card not looking that great on paper, and it did deliver some really solid action in some moments. There were some genuinely great fights, uh, some genuinely great moments. Primarily that main event, but yeah, this one this one looks fucking irredeemable. And I like some of the people. I like a lot of the people on this card, but boy howdy, I do not like the potential for how badly some of this shit's going to look. I this this is not. Man, they are not sending their best boy. This is this is children being left behind, is what this is, man. I, I don't I don't know what the fuck this is. Like this is is this even filling the quota for 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 ESPN at this point? <laughs> like what? Nah, I mean, somebody's got like a trading places style bet. Like now, nah, watch, we're gonna do this one now. <laughs> it's like, I mean, okay. I I wonder if ESPN expected this when they made the deal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is insane what they're giving to their broadcast partner that's paying yeah, them. You know what? You know billions. what? It's live content anyway. It's live content. It's like live content is the only thing that's really genuinely making money on a scale and in, in, in scope that TV broadcast partners are happy with these days. And that's why they're paying the exorbitant fees that they're paying for other things. Like you remember during when the pandemic started, right? Well, the first thing that was opening up was Korean baseball. They yeah. immediately threw money at that shit, you know. And there's a reason for that. That made perfect sense because, like, well, look, they got their they got their uh, pandemic condition under control. Well, they've already got you know baseball games without fans or whatnot. People are hungry for some form of entertainment that isn't doom of gloom, doom and gloom. Let's do that. This, you know, this is just filling in gaps. Like, look, we've got sports and we got people that are accustomed to throwing money at this sport incessantly because they fucking have to might as well. And there you go. This is where your plus money is going. Good stuff. But I feel like that we're not in the pandemic anymore. And Oh no. Any content isn't going to suffice. And ESPN is cutting their budget. Man, They made another round of firings just a month ago. You know, a lot of people got let go. As and if I'm they looking, need it. That's going to help. Yeah. And I look at that and I think their viewership numbers have to be declining with cards like this. I mean, nobody's fucking watching. Nobody's watching tough either. The tough numbers are in the tank, even for an ESPN platform, and they are steadily declining. So all this content, whether it be canned or live, you know, there comes a point when there's oversaturation right now. We've got baseball season. We just wrapped up basketball. Um, you know, we're going to have uh, preseason football is going to be starting next, you know, not next month. I keep thinking we're already in July, but just we're little over a month off i would say about five and a half weeks six weeks and we're gonna have preseason football i mean the saturation of content we've got the formula one season we've got all the other racing going on it's just insane right now so i have to think that espn is eyeballing the ufc under a serious microscope right now well, you know what? It's it's either that or I mean, I, I'm hearing that they might be uh, renegotiating their deal. Mm -hmm. uh, that might be something to consider as well. I mean, I don't know. They, they, they're not exclusively living and dying just by the ESPN thing, too. We could mention that they're, they're also working with, you know, they've got the Fox Sports deal in Latin America. They've got other distribution partners elsewhere like they're, they they do have their fingers in a bunch of pots. So, you know, that this is just but one component. The problem is that American fans are the ones that are shouldering the majority of the cost. 
you know, and, and that's really where it's, it's like you feel like a sucker, you know, like, hey, I'm glad people were able to enjoy this shit in Ecuador, but let's be fucking real. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm the one that's got to pay for the pay-per-view, you know what I mean? Like, they ain't got that. They got the steady channel. Like, that shit worked different over there. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I guess it is time for us to go ahead and break down this dismal dismal card we have only selected four fights to break down because i mean to tell you look at the goddamn card it's fucking horrible but we did find four fights that might be worth checking out this first one kevin lee is returning now kevin lee went out there and signed some deal with eagle fc and then you know what happened to eagle fc (laughs) You know what I mean? There ain't shit happening with Eagle FC. So he had to come back to the UFC. And I guarantee you, he took a serious pay cut to be allowed back into those hallowed halls. So he's taking on a guy named Renat Fakrednikov. Or Fakrednan. Fakrednikov, excuse me. These names get me. I'm so sorry for mangling them. I do not mean to. Anyways, you've got this 21 and 2 guy going up against 19 and 7 Kevin Lee, who struggled, struggled in his fight Mm. against Diego Sanchez. I won't say totally struggled, but it should not have gone to a decision, okay? It was Diego fucking Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, Diego is notoriously tough to finish, even though he's old, even though he's shot. He did give a spirited performance, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Kevin Lee, um, you know, he's he's been not just I mean, he was in he was great, then inconsistent. And then the wheels started kind of falling off him. And I worry. I worry about this. Like, you know, the Eagle FC is ceasing U.S. operations. It seems they're they're. They, they do still put on shows out in Russia, but they ain't really bringing that same energy for the U.S. no more. So, I mean, I, I don't doubt that uh, Ali Abdelaziz worked some kind of magic there and uh, he got uh, out of that contract to get into this one. But what does that mean? I mean, it really feels like they're feeding him. Yeah. And I don't like what that it, it does not portend good things, my friend. That shit don't look good on no record right now. That's that's. I'm really going to keep a close eye on this one in particular because, like, I don't want to. I don't want to see Kevin Lee going out sad like that. You know what I mean? But this is the kind of matchup he's going to be expected to be in, and it's it's not it's not a great division to be in if you want to shine, man. If you want to stand out, you better do some impressive shit. You're dealing with a dude who's six feet tall and running, cutting like a fucking saber. He was a Russian circuit against really, really good dudes. He's been Not great beating dudes. some really good dudes. Uh, other than that, too, um, beat the crap. Uh, I mean, that punch that he knocked out Eric Spicely with, good God. Um, he went on to defeat Andreas Mikulidis in, in his debut UFC match. He just beat Brian Battle, who's actually pretty goddamn good. Um <clears throat> He hasn't lost a fight since 2014, for Christ's sake. You know, Kevin Lee in his last seven fights has won two of them. Jesus Christ. So I'm looking at this. I'm I'm taking Fuck Redknoff. Uh, yeah, Lucky is same, also same. taking Fuck Redknoff. I mean, it's hard not to. And the thing is, is you know what? Kevin Lee is talented, but he has a lot of things going on. And I think 
he has mental issues as far as maybe a mental block. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he's like some psycho or anything like that. I just feel like he has some mental block here that prevents him from tapping into all that talent that he has. I mean, that, um, that head kick KO of, uh, what's his face? Um, Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie. That was beautiful. One of the best knockouts I've ever seen. I wish not he could... not the, the the rest of the fight he performed well. Yeah, I would love to see him get back to that. You know, he was winning that fight against Tony Ferguson. It just sucks that the UFC is a place where you go in and you're afraid to pull out of a fight when you have a raging fucking staph infection. That fucking sucked too. But anyways, yeah. we must move on to the next fight. Now this fight right here this is low-key this is gonna be fight of the night right here in my opinion Benoit Saint-Denis taking on Ismael Bonfim at lightweight that is a banger of a fight against two very very good prospects Saint-Denis is 10 and 1 Ismael Bonfim is 19 and 3 whoo man oh man I'm taking Bonfim here but Hey, this could go any goddamn way. Anyway. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Um, I'm I'm also going with Bumpin. I mean, he's just good God. This this dude, you know, he's he's look great, but here's here's the thing, man. Saint Denis, uh, man's got a lot of talents, man. His striking is pretty pretty vicious, but his submission game is aggressive, man. He's got he's got some uh, really really cool entries, and uh, it's just. Some guys that kind of mesmerize you with all the punches they throw, and then they snatch on something. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something to look out for. But I just I got a lot more faith in Bumpkin for this one. Um, you know what, Saint Denis, he's definitely worth a worth a second glance, though. As I'm looking here, his lone loss was to Elizu Zaleski. Um, and that was a decision. It wasn't like he got blasted out or anything like that. He, he rebounds with a win over Nicholas Stolze. Um, he got the win over uh, Gabriel Miranda with a nasty right hook. You know, I mean, he's, well, he's true. definitely there, but I just feel like Bonfim is going to be a little bit too experienced and just too much. You know what? I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in this. I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going to go with Anthony. Oh my goodness! All right, let me let me swap you around here. Just Just for funsies, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna go with the uh, the 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 differing uh, the dissenting voice here. You you are going big or going home? (laughs) If you want to call it that, sure, I guess. (laughs) All right, now we get up here to our co-main event. Another good fight. This is our lone ranked fight and that is grant dawson versus demira ismagulov again ismagulov is ranked number 12 grant grant dawson is ranked number 15 man this is a good fight but i have to go with ismagulov i i feel like i can't trust grant dawson i don't know why that is either he hasn't lost since 2016 but I don't know. Something's yeah. something's telling me that Ismagulov is going to do him in. Why am I feeling like this? 
I don't know. Maybe it's the. Uh, I the mean, kind is Magulov is even tilting. coming off a loss to Armin Sarukian, and I'm still gonna pick him. Okay, well, let me make you feel a little better about that. That loss was to Arman Sarukian. I know, I a know. Potential future title challenger, right? You know, in the very, very near future, if we, if he plays his cards right. But let so, me tell you, you know, something else. Bad... But remember that fight with Guram Kutataladze. That's my problem because I thought Guram won that fight. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you take some, you give some away, man. Shit happened. That's 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 just the fucking. I'm itself. changing Look, my pick. This, I'm changing okay. my pick. I'm doing the same thing as you. Oh my god! I just hmm. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. That's fine. Um, I'm I'm gonna fit. take Dawson. I can't help myself. I keep looking and I keep comparing. And god dang it. Yeah. No, that's cool. Look, I'm I'm still gonna stick with Demir because again, these hill people, man. I got a real problem, you know, picking against them. And I will say there is the caveat. He did go for a stretch in in 2016 where he fought two dudes. One of them was. Uh, one and zero. The other one was zero zero and one draw. And this is the point where he was eleven and one. Okay, like and then twelve and one. Like, there's no reason he should have been fighting those dudes. But then after that, he started fighting guys that were actually pretty good again, especially you know Rogerio Matias and and Raúl Tutarauli, who's in KSW now. Um, those are some really really good fucking wins. And then you know Joel Alvarez, which is a very tough out. He ended up taking that one. Diego Moises, a tough decision win. Rafael Alves. You know, like he he really kind of gutted it out in those. And sure, you know, you can say the Gorham fight, you know, say what you want about that. But you got a guy that is just dudes from that region that have the submission game down and that are able to use range of strikes and they have that cardio. Like, yeah, Grant Dawson is great. Don't get me wrong. I just kind of I get the inclination that this is just going to work out in Demir's favor. Hmm, not me. I'm going to stick with Dawson. I know I had come into this thinking it was going to be um, Ismagulov, but I cannot. No, going to take Dawson. Hey, how many How many Dawson's Creek jokes do you think he's got to put up with the gym? <laughs> it can't be good. Especially since that dude, uh, the Dawson's Creek dude, um, is like super hard right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. And he looks like shit. Jesus Christ. Like, right? He, he looks like he's 70 years old. How does that have to get overnight? Like, I don't know how some people do that, man. Like, look, we all get old, but holy shit. Not in the span of three weeks. <laughs> this dude is, this is a weird shit going on. That's what happens when you lean that far right. You <laughs> got the wrong chalice. Uh, for the record. Mookie is also taking Demiris Ismagulov. All right, so we get to our main event, and it's a stinker. I don't care if y'all like Sean Strickland. I can't stand him. I think he his fights are fucking boring. I don't care how technical they are. If, if Ambien had a human counterpart, it would be Sean Strickland. I cannot stand his fights. I hate his... His whole persona. I hate the way he interacts with Helen Yi. Helen, you got to stop interviewing this guy. Don't give him the time of day. Don't give him that platform. He has shamed her twice with his awful, awful racist Asian jokes. He's going to he's gonna win here probably, but... Ah, fuck it. You know what? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off. I'm going to go ahead and take Magomed off. How about that? Yes. Thank you. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I'm also riding with Abus. Look, I saw this dude 
first time I saw him was in PFL 2018. When he was working in that tournament, he didn't win in the end, but holy shit, this guy really impressed me. And it was brilliant scouting on their part. This is one of those dudes who's training out of the UFD gym in uh, Dusseldorf, Germany. That's that's where a lot of the KSW dudes that are shining right now, that's, that's where they're coming out of. And this dude has been putting in some absolute work. He's looked phenomenal in some of his fights. And, uh, you know, this, this guy's just a certified finisher. He's got excellent, excellent instincts for that. He only has one UFC fight, which was the time that he obliterated Dustin Stoltz was uh, last year um, and where he finished him in less than 20 seconds. So, yeah, this this guy is a problem. And I think he's going to be able to keep up with Strickland's pace. And, and that's, you know, unless he's got some sort of rejuvenating thing, because I kind of feel like Strickland's kind of hit the wall already. I think he's already shown who he is. I don't think he's going to progress much further than where he's at. Um We've seen what he is. He's mostly a, a volume puncher who can wrestle some and, and uh, really deliver some great strikes on the ground. But I kind of feel like he's not only been figured out. I think he's old enough. I think he's starting to fall off. And this is precisely the kind of guy that you don't want to fall off against. So I am absolutely going with Abusupian on this shit. All right. So there you have it. Our... <laughs> very very spare select fight picks from ufc vegas 76 now for those of you that are paid substack subscribers stick around we're gonna give you a brief run through of this past weekend's ufc on abc5 card which had uh some some extraneous factors going on with it to access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.